0: That's fish printed. Hello, and welcome to the Cargo Bay, a conversation podcast where we unpack all things Star Wars. I'm Brady C, here with my co-host,
1: who knows there's always a bigger fish, Adam B. Sorry I'm late BC. Uh, It seems like one of the load lifters has uh, forgotten how to speak binary. Uh, I've been shouting at it in hoodies, but I hadn't got those boxes of power cells moved yet. Uh, sorry there, bud.
0: That's all right. We'll get them moved eventually. I tell you, if it's not one thing on this darn ship, it's it's something else. And, uh, you know, the load lifters today, it's going to be something else tomorrow. Hey, it's a hunk of junk, and that's why we love it. It is why we love it. It's a beautiful hunk of junk. It's our hunk of junk. Welcome to the first ever
1: podcast of the Cargo Bay. How you doing? Well, I'm pretty excited, uh, you know, that we were able to sneak up this little setup down here in the cargo bay. Um, You know, never considered myself to be much of a star, but I like the idea of my voice being heard out there across the galaxy, B.C. I I love that idea, and
0: uh, that's uh, why we're doing this. Uh, We are, I would say, pretty big Star Wars fans, I think that's uh, a safe assumption. Being a part of
1: the universe, living in the universe, but also being fans of the universe. I would say since we started our lives on Earth and we're able to mm-hmm. be Star Wars fans on Earth, now that we live in the Star Wars universe, we may be the biggest Star Wars fans in the universe. Because yeah, I think we, we experienced yeah. it from outside and now we're in it.
0: Yeah, and I think, I think it gives us a, a pretty cool and exciting perspective on all things star wars uh as such i'm gonna go ahead and issue a spoiler warning now if you haven't seen star wars one you should definitely check it out it's really entertaining um i love it you love it uh if if you haven't seen it though we're gonna spoil a lot of star wars in this and all future podcasts so that's a blanket general warning about spoilers in the star wars universe
1: spoiler alert stormtroopers
0: they're bad guys I'm, I'm just going to say I'm glad that you got that Stormtrooper spoiler right up at the top so so people can, uh, you know, relieve themselves of any misgivings they might have
1: about the the good or evil nature of the Stormtroopers. So, you know, get that out of the way. I think it's good right at and, the top. And also now's a good time to relieve yourself in general, um, you know, right at the top of the show before we get into the meat of the episode here uh, BC, this is also this is our first episode of the podcast. So if you're listening to this, and there are more episodes out now, maybe listen to the newer ones. Maybe start there. Maybe we're better at this <laughs> in the in the future. This has been
0: pretty perfect so far. So I- I'm actually going to say start at the beginning because it's only going to go downhill from here.
1: Start at the beginning, but take a potty break now,
0: and because we're we're going to get in, it's we're going to we're about to jump headfirst into this Uh, another programming note we are trapped in the star wars universe so we have very little idea of what is going on on the planet earth right now i have had rumors that things are not as great as perhaps they could be so our thoughts are certainly with anyone who may be struggling with anything that is going on on planet earth at the moment
1: that's right, being trapped in the Star Wars universe of uh, BC means we can't ever talk about current events on this podcast ever because we don't live there.
0: We sure don't. and boy am I glad about that <laughs> uh, and and as such, uh, speaking of uh, you know being trapped there, for a moment, I want us to to take a trip in the escape pod real quick, to the nearby planet of May, 1999 where we're in a perpetual state of living La Vida Loca. Microsoft has released their second edition of Windows 98, and Regis Philbin is just jamming the TV airwaves with million-dollar bills for people. That's right. We are in May 1999, and guess what? There is going to be a brand-new Star Wars movie coming to a cinema near you. Yippee!
1: I'm excited. BC, I was losing... My mind in 1999. The air smelled thick of global panic over the threat of Y2K. Everybody was tying up their Sonic shoes, getting ready to play Sonic Adventure on the Dreamcast. <laughs> as a as a already a long time Star Wars fan, uh, I was a, a very excited little boy to see a new Star Wars movie. Um, right at, I was right at the prime age to see this thing. I was eight or nine in 1999. You were, I would say the exact target audience for this movie <laughs> based yeah. on
0: the dialogue, the one of the main protagonists in this film. I, that's, that's the sweet spot I felt like for George Lucas, both in the filmmaking
1: and the writing process was like eight year olds, you know, I was so jealous of that Jake Lloyd for landing that role because I thought I should have had that thing, you know? Why didn't they come knocking at my door? I think you probably would have done a better job. Um, so
0: for me, it was I was still definitely hyped for this movie. But I, thinking about it, I was twelve. I was about. I was. I was gonna turn thirteen in a few months. I was. I was right on the cusp of like I'm almost too cool for my action figures now, right? Like, I'm almost a teenager at this point. Uh, so, like, we're getting there. But at the same time, like, I was totally into all of the hype that was going on around this movie. Like, I remember when they did the re-releases of the original trilogy in 97, which hit me at a really good time. Like, primo for me, 11-ish, you know? Uh, That was still a great, like, Star Wars age for me. Uh... And the excitement of that leading into and hearing rumors of like, there's gonna be new Star Wars. There's gonna, like, they're gonna go back and do like, like Anakin as a child, like Darth Vader before he came to Darth Vader. I was like, what are we even talking about? This can't be real. Surely this is too good to be true. Lo and behold, here we are, May of 1999, sitting in a movie theater. A long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, musical fanfare and uh, turmoil has engulfed the Galactic Republic. The taxation of trade routes to outlying star systems is in dispute. Hoping to resolve the matter with a blockade of deadly battleships, the greedy Trade Federation has stopped all shipping to the small planet of Naboo. While the Congress of the Republic endlessly debates the alarming chain of events, the Supreme Chancellor has secretly dispatched two Jedi Knights, the Guardians of Peace and Justice, to the galaxy to settle this conflict. My 12-year-old brain had no idea what any of that meant. I don't think. I, st- I still don't know that I do know what any of that
1: means. But I was excited. I was hyped sitting in that movie theater. I was ready. I, I wasn't too concerned about it because I could not read when I saw the original Star Wars, you know, <laughs> so I knew it did, yeah. wasn't going to matter that much. But I, I remember no. having, it may not be this scroll, it may be the episode two scroll, but being like, I think I'm too young to know this is badly written, right? Like, like this should at least, and I guess it is, it's a sty- stylistic thing, you know, these scrolls. Mm-hmm. Um Yeah. Yeah, But, uh, yeah, not not the most exciting way to start the first Star Wars movie in a million years, potentially. But it does end with two Jedi on a mission. Which was very exciting. Um, just in terms
0: of, you know, going into the theater, seeing the thing, what was your, like, with through an eight-year-old's, you know, perspective, what was your overall, like, feeling walking out of that theater? Like, what was the sense that... You were left with of Star Wars Episode One after having seen it as, as a child.
1: Now that we are on the nearby planet of May nineteen ninety nine, I I mean I I thoroughly enjoyed myself. I thought it was awesome. Uh, my my general like memory of how people around me felt about it was mostly centered around Darth Maul. You know, like all my friends mm-hmm. loved Darth Maul. I do remember there just being kind of like a slight like uh a yearning in my heart of like well this this wasn't luke han and leia and i do miss that like camaraderie and kind Mm -hmm. of like so i felt a little bit of an absence of something um but also uh excited enough to watch it a million times until it became a star war for me yeah yeah I, i
0: i think i felt sort of Similarly, in that I—I I mean, I was twelve. There was there was no critical goggles on. There yeah, were no, there yeah. was no critical lens through which I was viewing Star Wars. Um, I was like, that looked cool. That was fun. There was music. There were lightsabers. We're back, baby. Like I felt pretty pretty good about everything.
1: Did you have to deal with any of the weird like Obi Wan? I love, but also I know he's going to turn into this old man who gets cut down by darth vader because that was a weird thing to me uh you know like how am i gonna root for this character who i know gets old and dies <laughs> like it was it was a weird thing yeah. to confront as a a little boy
0: yeah i don't i don't think i, I ever really uh, thought about it that way honestly i i again that that was too much critical
1: thinking for me i, I wasn't that smart <laughs> um i, I think I just it was, was just too protective of star wars like that is my first memory of episode one was like a magazine and like looking at an article that was like it's going to be about little boy darth vader and i was like why would i want to root for darth vader and it was like, well, right. Obi-Wan's gonna be there, and I was like, Well, I guess young Obi-Wan will be cool. I'll root for him because Darth Vader's yeah. a bad guy. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I was
0: confused. Thinking back now that we're on again the planet of May nineteen ninety nine where it's perpetually May of nineteen ninety nine, the thing that that most like hits that like nostalgia thing for me was is a thousand percent and will always be the Pepsi and Mountain Dew cans that had the characters oh, yeah. on them because like there was there was an all out Star Wars merchandising media blitz which of course makes sense but but those cans were so iconic because it's like you know it's summertime you're riding your bike you're going to the gas station you got 50 cents in your pocket and you're going to say can I find a Darth Maul can I find yeah, an Obi-Wan yeah. Kenobi is there is who is this Qui-Gon Jin, which I knew I didn't know how to pronounce at that point was like seeing, seeing the images of the characters on the can before even like seeing the movie yeah. already built something in me that was like oh this is intriguing it's interesting seeing these characters seeing oh there is a young version of Obi-Wan Kenobi that young Anakin thing was like that is Darth Vader but that's just a little boy right now was a very strange feeling I remember that like how how are they going to center a movie around him? You know, as like, oh, so Darth Vader's a good guy. You know, we know that there's good in him by Return of the Jedi, but like seeing Origin little baby boy Darth Vader was kind of like a thing it was like, oh, this will be interesting.
1: <laughs> it's a uh, yeah, it's a wild swing. Uh, I think we might mm-hmm. get more into that a little later. Uh, uh, I wanted to say that that my big marketing push memory is is from the toy aisle, because I was already uh-huh. a Star Wars toy fan um, because they'd been on shelves my entire childhood. You were um, perfect
0: for this. Right, eight years old, man. Like, get get me the entire line. What's my allowance
1: looking like this week, Mom and Dad? Can we go to Walmart? Can see, we? This Check is it out. though. This is where I had an issue though, because Darth Maul didn't have a cool helmet. Um, uh huh. So he, I didn't think he was cool because he didn't have a, a cool robot face like Darth Vader. Right. Um, gotcha. There weren't stormtroopers, and I thought that mm-hmm. the battle droid action figures were lame because they're tiny little sticks. For the same right. price. <laughs> um, but I remember that the marketing would have had you believe that Ara Singh was going to be like a major character. Like, I remember going into the theater because it was like, here's the pre release action figure sneak peek of Ara Singh, which, if you don't know, is a character who is in literally one shot and has no dialogue in this movie.
0: But she sure is enjoying that pod race. <laughs> it's <laughs> yeah, yeah. crazy because rewatching it, I was like, oh, Ara Singh. I didn't even remember she was in the movie and she's not really i mean she's in a shot of the movie but there's no meaningful moments
1: she has no dialogue she just stands there and you see her kind of turn her head and you're like oh that was our thing cool all right neat i remember all that stuff hitting the bargain bin hard um Mm -hmm. after episode one came out
0: yeah wait actually what's what's this i found a, a an ancient relic here on the uh, planet of may 1999 it's a it's a newspaper of some kind the the new york times looks like we've oh got a, rev- a review here let's let's see what the the new york times the paper of record had to say about uh star wars episode one the phantom menace this is from yeah, janet what did the grown maslin. critical thinkers think at the time that's right Pissy. that's right very very astute critical thinkers not unlike ourselves just children let's see what janet maslin had to say Mr. Lucas's first installment offers a happy surprise. It's up to snuff! It sustains the G Wiz spirit of the series and offers a swashbuckling extra galactic getaway, creating illusions that are even more plausible than the kitchen raiding raptors of Jurassic Park.
1: Now, if if I'm gonna go on like a cruise with a movie critic, yeah. sign me up to go with Janet Maslin. She she's sounds a good like time. she's having a great time.
0: She sounds like a fun hang. I don't know how good her critical <laughs> goggles are, looking back on the movie right now. But you know, to to each their own. So Janet Maslin thoroughly enjoyed it. I, and you know what? I've got another review here. This is from the esteemed Thumb Man himself, Roger Ebert, who gives it <laughs> three and a man. half. St- the Thumb Man, yeah, thumbs up. Uh, He's going to give a big thumbs up to Star Wars Episode 1, The Phantom Menace, by the way. Uh, And this is from his review. And I I want you to brace yourself, because this is really something. If it were the first Star Wars movie, The Phantom Menace would be hailed as a visionary breakthrough. But this is the fourth movie of the famous series, and we think we know the territory. Many of the early reviews have been blasé, paying lip service to the visuals and wondering why the characters aren't better developed. How quickly do we grow accustomed to wonders? I am reminded of the Isaac Asimov story Nightfall about the planet where the stars were visible only once in a thousand years. So awesome was the sight that it drove men mad. We who can see the stars every night glance up casually at the cosmos and then quickly down again, searching for a Dairy Queen. (laughs) <laughs> Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace, to cite its full title, is an astonishing achievement. He's
1: definitely writing this review from a No, dairy he queen. sat down at a Dairy Queen to write this, which is why
0: that, that poetry <laughs> spilled out of him. Uh, he, he notes, uh, if some of the characters are less than compelling, perhaps that's inevitable. This is the first story in the chronology that has to set up characters who, we already know, will become more interesting with the passage of time. Very insightful, but Roger Ebert... He's a fan. He digs it. How quickly do we grow accustomed to wonders? It's a worthy question. I suppose it's very true. Uh, I I think his point is taken. I if if not a little blunt.
1: Yeah, B- BC uh you know, uh to reference uh something m- my father said just recently after watching the the films all chronologically for the first time. He mm-hmm. said uh you know, even the bad ones are better than most movies, it's and uh, you know, kind of rings true here, where it's like, yeah, it's a pretty unique film here. You don't often yeah. see a film that literally 700 people worked on. Yeah, <laughs> I think, okay. the 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 full cast or the full crew list for this movie is insane. This is, and I, I I saw this just before we got on
0: here that there were at the time. Remember, we're May of 1999. The the world of filmmaking is changing incredibly rapidly at this point because of computer technology. At this point, The Phantom Menace had three times more computer generated shots than any other film in history to date. Three times as many, which is an incredible amount considering it's I mean, she notes specifically Janet Maslin in her review like Jurassic Park, which is to me the like groundbreaking cgi movie of my youth and childhood because i didn't know what cgi was i just went into that movie and believed everything kind of like inherently so was like there's dinosaurs are real um which was amazing to me um but to see that this was like yeah we're gonna go so much farther past everything else that's been done
1: it it is it is kind of a a technical marvel uh oh yeah movie my brain didn't pick out like that's that jar jar he's not a suit He's a computer. You know, like right. a computer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think yeah, I was yeah. thinking about that in the theater. And, you know, no. I, I re, upon a rewatch, was surprised that it, it vaguely holds up. Like, they, the lighting is really well done on the CG models. Like, the, the color and light blend really well into the images, uh, although the fidelity, like, the resolution of the, the image doesn't always...
0: There's a couple shots that I just go,
1: Wow. There's a pit droid that, like, collapses and, like, is digitally shifted over uh, that looks a little rough.
0: Um, There's, like, one of the first Jar Jar shots is, like, that's a video game. That's a video game in a movie. There are shots of him, though, where, like, the, the texture of his skin and stuff, you're like, eh, I'm seeing shades of what's going to be, like, you know, Gollum and Schmeagle coming down the road here in a few years.
1: By the time we get to uh, Star Wars Episode Three, keep your eyes out for more video game characters. <laughs> <laughs> Oh. But, but, w- but will together. wonders
0: never cease, my friend. Will wonders <laughs> never cease. What's that? What um, do you have there?
1: What, you what's know, that you've I, got? I'm I'm licking my fingies, flipping these pages <laughs> on not a newspaper, but a magazine. Cause I'm, Ooh. Uh, you know, I'm pretty cool over here. I'm reading the Rolling Stone here from nineteen. Hey, rock and roll, buddy. Here's what Peter Travers has to say about my good friend, the Phantom Menace. Mm-hmm. The actors are wallpaper, the jokes are juvenile, there's no romance and the dialogue lands with the thud of a computer instruction manual. But it's useless to criticize the visual astonishment that is Star Wars Episode 1, The Phantom Menace. With this epic and the trilogy that preceded it, George Lucas has built a pop culture monument that packs all of history, war, religion, myth, art, science, and those old re- reliables, good and evil, into a mystical grab bag that plays like a kitty cartoon. There's a less fancy explanation for why phantom menace will inspire fetishis- fetishistic worship. It is loaded with cool stuff, and reasonable facsimiles thereof are on sale at your local Force Emporium. Uh, well, he's he's not
0: entirely wrong.
1: Uh, you know? As as someone who is a fan of Star Wars and likes to yep. enjoy all of the Star Wars movies, I will say this: this really hits the nail on the head for me of both why I love it and the the reasons I don't love it as much as our other Star Wars movies,
0: perhaps. It rings uh, it rings very true, um, and it. I think one of the big ideas that obviously we're embracing with. With this podcast, is that we we love Star Wars. That's why we're doing this, right? We accept that it is a flawed franchise in a lot of ways, and that there are a lot of things that could be made better. And we'll we'll discuss those things as as you know we go on here today and and through future conversations. Um, there there is a lot to love about it, but there there certainly are, as Mister Travers has pointed out, some things that we can take exception with and and point to critically and say hey this could be better and i think that's an important thing to have that uh sort of critical view as well
1: yeah absolutely uh you can you can uh take issue with a thing here or there and still enjoy the hole yeah that's how i I feel about all watering holes are slimy they got (laughs) snakes in them but on the other hand nice and cool there you go it's nice to go there every once in a while uh and with with that in
0: mind, with the, the idea of balance in mind in Star Wars, let's head back to the cargo bay because we have been given a very important task here on this podcast, which is to, in fact, balance the force for Star Wars Episode One, The Phantom Menace, where we are going to look at all things both tending towards the light and some things that are perhaps a little more Sith in nature about uh, Star Wars Episode I, The Phantom Menace, so Let's head back to the cargo bay to balance the force.
1: Let me, uh, let me call over our, our scale robot. Hey, P-B-D-O, get over here. Stick your arms out. Thank you kindly. All right, BC, let's balance the force of Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace. I would like to start. Let's let's go with a a light side of the force.
0: Let's go with something positive. What's a uh, What's something that you really
1: like about Star Wars Episode One, the Phantom Menace? Tell you, BC, my, my favorite part of Star Wars Episode One is the opening. And uh, Okay. Immediately under attack, cutting a door open, slicing droids in half. Uh, it's a great sequence. Love that love that opening action sequence.
0: I, I really enjoy the opening too, and it, it is cool to see like a Jedi a Jedi period. Full stop. Anytime that there's a Jedi on screen, I'm, I'm almost always for it, right? But to see them doing what, what like their like their job, like this is the this hey this is a day job. You got to go, you know, be a peacekeeper for the galaxy. Here's here's what you're doing today, and it's like this this negotiation thing that they're going into, right? Um, it that first scene, I think like plays so well. It doesn't go as well from the initial heights in this movie to, like, the next scene, but but the opening, like, just as, like, if I took that as a short film and be like,
1: God, Jedi are cool. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, you couldn't have done that. You couldn't have started the first Star Wars movie with that, right? Like, these weirdos. Like, who are these weirdos? (laughs) But now we know they're space weirdos. And so to get to start the movie with, like, weird space wizards, um, uh... Great, great to immediately have that payoff of like, these guys use their lightsabers all the time. Get ready. <laughs> the Jedi. Yeah,
0: they're just going to chop down some B1s like they're butter. Like it's no problem. And use Those force
1: things. speed once and never ever again. <laughs> were
0: force jumping and pushing and yeah, it was a, a, a truly cool start to this movie. So in, in the name of balance, let's balance it out. Something, something that uh, is not as great for me, and it, I, this would, we, can, we can take this as a whole, or we can piece it apart, but I'm just going to say from there, we've got a cool Jedi entrance, we're, we, we're landing on Naboo, right? They're, they're running away, they're getting out of there, and then we run into the most infamous character, probably, in Star Wars history, is Jar Jar Binks. I, I, a lot has been said about this. A lot has been said about this character. And let me let me state very clearly. I am in no way begrudging Ahmad Best, who gives his all as Jar Jar Binks. The performer, the actor, amazing job.
1: Yeah, I, I would like to say kind of in general, I, I never blame actors in Star Wars uh, because no, I cannot imagine being on a Star Wars set and i can just <laughs> everything and involved we'll get with to, that
0: we'll get to some of this yeah, too yeah. but some of the lines that are written is just like what like the watching this movie with subtitles is a trip because you're like george lucas wrote that like misa bombad general that was george lucas like i'm <laughs> su- i'm such a genius misa bombad general like He sat down and wrote these things out of his brain and it's like Jar Jar he he's part of this this eight year old mentality that exists in the movie. Which I think is important and has a place because like Star Wars is for everybody. Star Wars is for kids and we get wrapped up in how much like I'm an adult now and Star Wars should be taken very seriously. It's like it's kinda like Space Wizards having a good time. Yeah. But I think they're I I still do think, even with with Jar Jar and his sort of, like, the the age demographic that he's being clearly directed at, I do still think that there is room for a lot of improvement in a lot of ways for what this character is, some of the stereotypes that are embedded in the character, um, some of the CGI shots, which are amazing, some of them where you're like, this doesn't super fit in the movie. Um, it, it, it feels very forced upon the story to be like, we've got a cool trade federation galactic bureaucratic dispute, but we need eight year olds to love it. So we're going to put this, uh, you know, goofy looking character in there. Who's always doing fart
1: jokes. Yeah. It does seem like, Hey, instead of increasing, changing the pacing of the movie so that it's appealing to everyone whether or not they're totally informed on the politics let's just balance out the slow politics with some poo doo every once in a while i'm like it i think i can i was counting cuz i was rewatching
0: i rewatched this after we rewatched it um i i've got a total of 4 poo or fart jokes that exist in this movie explicit poo or fart <laughs> jokes like, not like hidden... like <laughs> I
1: remember <laughs> subtitles um, saying flatulence. Um, That's... Um... Yep.
0: It is it is my favorite one because it is the most explicit and it is the least necessary moment. It's at the pod race and Jar Jar is standing behind some Star Wars creature that just farts in his face. And, and it turns t- around and look at him, looks at him. And it, it does just say flatulence in the subtitles. And I, I have to wonder... George Lucas wrote that. He wrote it. He wrote that moment. He's like, you know what would be great? If we have, uh, if there's a, a creature that can fart directly in Jar Jar Binks' face, and he can react to it because farts are stinky, and <laughs> kids love farts. Like, that, that, that thinking went into the writing of this.
1: I it's also a possibility that the 40 or 50 effects people who worked on the shot for three months lobbied so... to, hey, we would really like to spend the next few months working on uh, the asshole of this EOP? Is it an EOP? I can't. Sorry, I, I, by the way, I, I... I said asshole by um, my, that. My
0: <laughs> uh, we'll go back and ask... <laughs> <laughs> we'll go back and add an explicit content warning um, because we do we do mention AOP's assholes on this podcast from time to time. <laughs> even yeah, even so, like yes, that that is another thing where it's like you know you've got visual effects people who are like no we we think we can make this thing fart right in JoJo's face. At a certain point, you do think George would be like Yeah, well we've already got three other fart things in here. Three's a good number ah four four let's do four <laughs> like. There should be some some self editing, I think, that happens no matter who's responsible for that. Um, I do get it though; like, I understand. Like, farts are funny. There's an art to a fart joke, and it's not yeah. in a Star Wars movie. I'll tell you that. Like, it's just like it's ex- it's explicit fart jokes. It's it's Jar Jar stepping in a pile of shit while he's walking on Tatooine. You're like, I mean, when you say it out loud, it is pretty funny. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it's it is funnier out loud when you get to do that. But like as as a moment of just like, here we're walking in a Tatooine, and Jar Jar's like, <laughs> and you're like, oh, there's Jar Jar stepping in a pile of shit. Like, of course. Like, of course he does. Like, what can we make this this child, this children's movie character do that children are going to love? Well, we can fart in his face. We can have him step in shit. Like, there's all sorts of fun things you can do to Jar Jar. Um, I, I just don't think Jar Jar as a whole works beyond beyond like it's like it's too it's too lowbrow even for eight-year-olds i feel like
1: yeah i mean it was it was for me um i was not you know and maybe i was on the older edge of who george lucas was trying to appeal to but yeah i was i was not a big jar jar fan um as a kid. And, and now the thing that I contend with, uh, and I don't want to try to uh, dissect it at all, all I want to say is that, you know, Jar Jar and Watto, when I'm watching this movie with people who have not seen it, uh, it just kind of makes... They make me embarrassed, you know? <laughs> like, definitely people could be offended and would have a right to be uh, experiencing either one of those characters. Um, so th- that's that's definitely the negative... The most negative thing on the scale, for me, I would say, BC. Um, yeah, well, yeah,
0: That mean... Yeah, yes, The, I mean we can just, we, we won't delve too much into the racial stereotypes that are truly cringeworthy in this movie. Um.
1: Oh yeah, we've got more so, than just Waddle and Jar Jar, but we'll, we'll, yeah, we won't, we won't dip our, our toes but, that deep. But they, I think it's important that we do
0: point out that they exist, they certainly can be interpreted as cringy and offensive, um, they were pointed as such in nineteen ninety nine when the movie came out, people were like, hey, this is weird and wrong. Yeah. Um and I read I read like a, a Lucasfilm defense of this where they're like, it takes place in a, a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. So like, don't get your panties in a twist, people. And it's like okay, if you just want to like brush aside legitimate claims of racism in Star Wars, I guess you can just be like, it's this a fiction story, so don't just don't get offended. And I was like when reading that I was like that's a really crappy response from Lucasfilm.
1: Yeah, especially when they're doing things on Disney Plus like editing out ass cracks. Uh, sorry, I said ass again. I'm I'm really on one with that word today. I apologize. Yeah. Not a good way to start the show. We're in the middle of it, so it's okay. All right. <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: <laughs> so yeah, I it's 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 noted.
0: There are going to be more instances of truly cringeworthy and offensive things that exist in Star Wars. I feel like we're going pretty Sith right now, so why don't you hit me something, why don't you balance us out, why don't you hit me with the light side right now?
1: Alright, BC, I'll hit you with um, with something on the light side. In fact, a man who stands firmly on the light side of the Force, Ben Burt, he's still got it. He proves it in this film with, again, just incredible sound design, iconic noises, everything sounds great, still being used, in some cases being overused you know uh (laughs) most recently uh getting to see the naboo starfighter the n1 starfighter in uh book of boba fett aka the the mando episodes of book of boba fett you know it all holds up it's beautiful (laughs) and what i did not know bc what blew my mind did you know ben burt edited this film video edited this film he and one other person um who has like Not much of a track record doing that either, (laughs) as far as I can tell. Uh, Edited Star Wars Episode I. I'm looking for the name of the other person. I'm not going to find it, and I'm not going to look for it. Anyway, so he also did video editing on this. But, yeah, that's a major light side thing for me. Is Ben Burtt, sound effects, good stuff.
0: General production design on this, I think, is amazing. Obviously, it's a movie that has... An incredible financial war chest behind it, and there's a lot of stakeholders who have a financial interest in it doing really well. And it's it's nice to see when artists are supported, who are working behind the scenes to make things look and sound really cool. Um, I think a lot of the the character designs are cool. I mean, Darth Maul stands out as being a really cool looking character in his design um it's 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 an iconic look you know what i mean like it stands up there with with other like all-time just badass looking star wars characters um the naboo starfighter like you mentioned is uh, amazing so amazing that you're right like mando is like i mean mando book of boafet we'll just say mando um was like w- we've got to bring that thing back because it looks so cool to just have it sitting there um some of the droids look cool. I, I, I still really dig the droidicas uh, a lot. Um, so I think there's a lot about the production design and sound and the overall kind of like feel of this movie that is, that is really good
1: that's yeah i called it in in my notes uh kind of new millennium star wars um and i'll say i was yeah. a skeptic most of my life uh you know i preferred the more used future aesthetic of star wars that is like right. the number one thing i think that draws me to star wars or drew me to star wars was that right look but yeah um now i really appreciate that it's so wildly different you know it's like uh it's just more interesting that way, and I do love the the aesthetic that it builds over these three movies.
0: Yeah, I think it's telling that the Star Wars that's being told now on Disney+, Plus is going back to this era of design, because they could just have e- as easily have said, you know, we're not going to use that, but the things look cool. Like, they stand the test of time as being iconic. I think it does, a, you, you do say, like, the shiny new millennium Star Wars. It takes the the 70s and 80s the original trilogy look and says hey we're
1: we're going we're we've got the year 2000 in our sights we're heading all the way to the future here people yeah, that's something I didn't understand as a kid watching Episode 4 is, like, this is basically a period piece. This is, like, a yeah. 70s period piece. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. No, Like, <laughs> did not understand the aesthetic at all as, as being anything other than what it was. Yeah. And now this, like, with Episode 1, you can see how they, how they update it and even see how they are kind of integrating some of the original design, you know, from the original trilogy, but m- making it shinier, making it appeal to, you know an audience who's preparing for Y two K and is booting up their Windows ninety eight on their computer. Overall it doesn't feel too wildly out of place. Would I have liked more practical stuff? Yeah. But that's not where the technology was at because they're breaking new ground with all of the computer technology, which I think is still important for Yeah, to it's Star Wars and or Not. Film. It is very yeah. influential. You know, like oh.
1: Uh, yeah, as as Star Wars continues to pioneer things that I may or may not love uh, for filmmaking, like, you know, deep fake uh, <laughs> tech or whatever Ooh. they want to call it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's that's always been a role of
0: I mean, the yeah, it's like that's one of the main legacies I think of Star Wars is yeah. that like, which it, we, we can easily overlook as being like, I want to
1: talk about Jar Jar Stepping and shit. But the like if you look at when you big, really think about the significance of that shot yeah it's really <laughs> it's, it's very important but when you think about it, it's incredibly important that one shot the way the the way the dynamics, poos, yeah. the, way the, po- the
0: poo was squished had never been done had never been digitized before um, not to harp on that moment too We should much, just call this
1: podcast digital poodoo <laughs> <That's> <laughs> Digital
0: true. poodoo. Opudu Pudu uh, Digital line, is
1: a good uh, like uh, special effects company. Sorry, what what's Poodoo,
0: that? Uh, Poodoo, of course given to us by Sabalba. Yeah. I've used Pudu a lot of my life and just now uh. I'm realizing that it that it's Sabalba that that did that. So thanks Sabalba. I appreciate <laughs> that. Cuz I say Pudu all the time and it wasn't until this recent rewatch I'm like that's a line that
1: Sabalba has. I used to say Sleemo. <laughs> that definitely yeah. helped me confront bullies in middle school. Excellent. <laughs> Whatever, Sleemo. <laughs> whoa, 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 guy. You're going to use language like that? I better walk right away. Yeah, Sleemo. <laughs> Actually, you know what? You can be quarterback. You can be quarterback.
0: Yeah, you know what? You're right. You're right. You got this. Uh, okay, I feel like now we've gone, we've talked too much about the light side. we got to balance it back out yeah yeah, What's, yeah. Where, kind
1: of where's where's or... this where's this starting to
0: stray towards the dark for you again
1: uh, i think there there are some things that i could get into that would make more sense from like ba- this is bad filmmaking and this is why but the thing i like the mm-hmm. least about what this does to the star wars universe is just how the universe starts to become small with this movie you know because we find anakin on tatooine with C-3PO and R2-D2. Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah, just, yeah, just yeah. like really the start of like, oh, wow. Star Wars is really like a incestuous kind of world. Um, rather than it continuing to build out, you know. I would have been okay if the only people I recognized in the prequels were Anakin and Obi-Wan. Your point is
0: very well taken uh, by me. I, I completely agree with that. The C-3PO being built by Anakin is kind of like a gratuitous thing where you're like, oh, I guess we just needed to get Anthony Daniels in something. Like, yeah. having having 2 I always love seeing R2-D2. He's one of my favorite characters in Star Wars. But having him be the hero droid on the Naboo cruiser that s- essentially saves the ship and gets them to tattoo, and you're kind of like, what a coincidence. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. What, I, you know what I mean? And, and that R2 and C-3PO meet each other in episode one
1: i was very bothered by that because when obi-wan says he doesn't recall ever owning a droid my you guy know,
0: you have known him for a really long a time <laughs> one and also
1: you've definitely had several droids <laughs> i like i don't know what you, what you're lying about i don't i don't recall <laughs> yeah. ever r2 who is that now
0: is now a good time to talk about the Yoda puppet being yeah, digitized? Yes. I remember the Yoda puppet cut. I lovingly remember the Yoda puppet cut with his little hair. He's got like way more hair and he looks really yep. strange in the very Yoda puppet different, cut. Very but different. But I love it. I, I want the Yoda puppet cut.
1: I, I much prefer uh, a puppet almost always. Um, mm-hmm. Yes, I agree. The Blu-ray release is when Yoda was updated, so it's only okay. happened the once, and it is like it's clearly the same Yoda that's in was always in Episode Three. Gotcha. Like it's okay. the same model, right? Um, and I think uh, I really do think some of the the audio at the end was replaced as well, but I'm not seeing anything to confirm that.
0: I'm gonna spend just a second on the dark side uh, as well here. Jake Jake Lloyd, as a child boy, working with the dialogue of George Lucas, for me, does not age very well. God bless that kid, he tried, but like you said, you can't blame a Star Wars actor for their performance working with that dialogue. I would go even further to say, especially when it's an eight year old child who's yeah. working with George Lucas dialogue
1: I, I'm it's for rough. if you're going to digitally replace any character make it the child you know like uh, I'm just kind of <laughs> anti like putting children in in movies and, and Jake Lloyd is is kind of like I imagine would argue the same thing or at least has been very public about how his experience with Star Wars was terrible and has been terrible for his life Um, and so yeah I, I, I really hate I hate that the lead character is is a little a little kid
0: I mean, are you an angel? You know, like getting into those line deliveries. The fact that George Lucas has an eight-year-old, like the entire cringy nature of Anakin and Padme is like, yeah.
1: it's staggering. It made total sense this to point. me when I was nine years old. I was like, yeah, of course. The like, I get this. Fifteen-year-old, I get this. A uh, beautiful yeah. girl. She'd yeah, want to hang out course. with me, right?
0: obviously and i'm gonna i'm gonna be putting the moves on her i'm gonna carve her a little something i'm gonna ask her if she's an angel i'm gonna pop
1: the question before this star cruiser lands let me tell you yeah uh
0: yeah he's a child child in this movie, and it makes no sense for him to be macking on her and for her to have any interest in this
1: eight year old boy. Yeah, he's also a slave. He also yeah, builds yeah. droids from a kid, yeah. I guess, because it's a protocol droid, but then he also flies pod racers and builds pod racers. Um, yeah, he's, he's a weird it's a weird character. <laughs> yeah, a, it's he, all it's all it's all weird. It's all rough.
0: He has to scream yippee twice. I know I know uh, One of the times def- is when he's leaving his mother <laughs> forever. Yippee! <laughs> it's here's here's what it is. It's an 8-year-old, right? The line of dialogue on his shooting script for the day is says yippee. And here's George Lucas's direction. I just uh, just shout yippee. And that's what the kid does, and there's nothing more to it. There's no like, there's no subtext. It's just like I was told to shout this, so I did. And that's what I was I did in a green today. room. <laughs> I was in a room surrounded by tennis balls. But there, there are certainly moments of performance and writing, and all, where all of those elements just come and you come together, and you're like, that was that was bad. Here's my i want to get into this real quick this goes into the writing it goes into one of the most controversial things midichlorians right midichlorians Uh, very controversial subject to me the rewatch the thing that jumps out so much to me this is the immaculate conception child this is literally the story of jesus that he was carried by a virgin i don't know if shmi's a virgin but she she's saying there there's no daddy he just showed up in my belly. I carried him. I gave birth. I raised him.
1: He's a child conceived by the Force.
0: He's conceived by the Midichlorians. It's, they straight up say Midichlorians conceived this child in this woman.
1: Growing up in a religious household, Star Wars had been a way to kind of like bond with my father as like, oh, this is kind of like has a lot of like allegory and like yeah, you know, totally. like stuff that you can kind of tie into Christianity. I remember the number one thing, you know, he was concerned with coming out of this movie is like, what the heck did they do to the lore? Like, he <laughs> is Jesus, but also, I mean, BC, we're guilty of it right now. Right now, we are balancing the Force. Um, because true. let me tell you, I'm a Star Wars fan, and I follow it where it goes, and that is yep. what the Force is about. It's about balance. But... As a <laughs> as a nine year old when this movie came out, I was like, "What the heck?" are medi- medi- midi and balancing the force. And honestly, I still yeah, I still do not like the idea that that wielding the force is is related to biology uh, of specific the, like gene tools to or whatever. <laughs> like,
0: to the mitochondria of the Star Wars universe, yeah, which is what yeah. midi are based on, <laughs> like. G- I, I didn't even register what midichlorians were as a child. Like, I, I I had it held zero interest for me because there wasn't a lightsaber. There was nothing interesting about it. You go back and you watch it and you're like, oh, midichlorians, whatever. Like, it, it's something you can totally breeze past. You get the weird yeah. download. Like, where Anakin, like, at in the late yeah. stages of the movie, is like, but hey, by the way, what are midichlorians? Where it's like, George was like, you know what, I better explain... This great idea I have about chlorians. so why don't I have anakin ask Qui-Gon in the most exposition way?
1: If it's just a shot of Obi-Wan being like, his chlorians are off the charts, great. That's the kind of Star Wars I like. Like I can think about what that means to the Jedi and what the heck Obi-Wan is doing for the next two years until the next movie comes out. But yeah, instead I, we get that, like, here's what it is.
0: Well, they're a microscopic lifeform that resides within all living cells okay great what it like it, to, again as a child that didn't register for me but i can see why a lot of adults who came out of this movie being really mad were really mad because as a child i was like whatever but adults were like what are we talking about midichlorians like what
1: is this yeah the, the force was was much easier to understand when it was a little more vague and just kind of it works so much better as like not hard sci-fi did the Matrix come out before this movie?
0: I think it was it was right around the same time. I think it uh, was it feels I think it very may much have been of the same this.
1: era of like But but George has had the idea for this since the conception for a of Star long, Wars according to long him. So. Time. It works
0: really well in the background if we don't know about it. Like the mysticism of the force is so much cooler if you're not like, no, it's biology. It's basic basic bio- cellular biology. Oh. I guess that takes away some of the romanticism of what of what my imagination could have made this into no it's biology oh well i guess it's biology then but to me the the midichlorians fine whatever it's the it's the immaculate conception thing that really stands out to me and i'm just like
1: do you still believe it because uh, i don't you know it could be i i'm thinking maybe old well Emperor darth Plagueis Palatini just came in and did a little syringe. <laughs> Well, Palpatine, you know, knew that Darth
0: Plagueis could create life using chlorians. So, you know, I, I the thing is, I don't know and I don't really care if it's true or not. It's in the <laughs> movie where they're like, yeah, no, this kid was just born of a virgin birth. And you're like,
1: okay. Isn't it wild when you watch these films back how many, th- how many things are like that that would sink anything else for me where it's like, wait, he was conceived by the Force. Wait, she's going to date a child. Wait. He yeah makes out no with his sister. Little... wait yeah like it just goes on and on and a lot on. of that and yeah it'll... a lot of that but it's always balanced VC.
0: I still like this I <laughs> not too many but I still like watching this
1: movie like I'll... i still watch it. I like watching it VC because Dud Bolt is in this movie. <laughs> yeah, Dud Bolt who rides the the like hair clipper shaped pod <laughs> pod racer. <laughs> Dud Bolt champion. I'm throwing that on the scale, and that has balanced out all of that heavy dark side energy on the scale. Dudbolt brought it back to balance. D-
0: D- a Dud is, was is a force to be reckoned with in terms of his light side appeal in this movie. I will say, I would also give major shouts to just all of the pod racers in general. Uh, I'm I'm gonna th- I'm gonna throw a big swing back on the light side here. The pod racing sequence rules. I am I am a Firm believer that it is fifteen really good minutes of filmmaking in a Star Wars movie. The pacing, the action, everything about it is really exciting to watch. I think it helps that there's very little dialogue in this section. Uh-huh. And a lot of it is just like purely action driven. It is a like to me. And this sound. is a tour de force. Oh it's the sound like it's a tour de force of of the technology on display. Mixing mixing the sound, mixing the CGI, mixing the pacing, the
1: action, the the visual storytelling that's happening in it. Imagine this, BC. Imagine Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon are sent to Tatooine because there is a child competing in the Bunta's Eve pod race. Like, imagine that's the setup for our movie. Um, mm, I'm just saying we could but- go a lot of places a lot faster from there. Uh, he's where it's like he's oh, the wow. only human he's who can do it. Attention, R- rather than yeah. the just coming across him, it's like we oh, found wow, this yeah. slave boy. He's a nine-year-old boy who f- flies a pod racer. <laughs> like, yeah, <laughs> and built it. Maybe, maybe that should be on the Jedi radar already.
0: <laughs> I mean, he says he's the only human who can do it. Yeah, I, I believe him. Like, I have no reason not to. But like, that would be a you know, I know what Tatooine's on the outskirts. You know the the what the republic doesn't exist out here um yeah but even still you'd think word would get around about a child who's doing something that extraordinary in front of crowds of tens of thousands yeah yeah that's a, that's a really good good point what could have been i like that cuz you can be like hey there's probably something force related with this child and you can still get all of the download of like oh is miniclorians or
1: off the charts and That's he maybe so doesn't want to leave his mother uh maybe that could seed some dark side energy of like hey we really need to keep you and study you like <laughs> we need to yeah. like <laughs> sorry dude we got to take you take you out of here um but anyway this is a rabbit hole bc and we're already past time i think are we past time i think we're past all right here's time. all right here's my last thing jedi fails hashtag
0: jedi fail uh this is going to be a recurring theme on what I will say probably the dark side uh, the, they're not there to free slaves and they're going to let you know it um, yep, Qui-Gon, got more important Qui-Gon, takes Anakin's, Qui-Gon takes Anakin's blood without his permission he's, <laughs> he's tending to his wound and then he just takes his blood uh, and then he's like I need to study it he just does it <laughs> it's a weird moment that I has breezed past me every time until now where he, like you just see him go and you're like oh he's not just healing his wound <laughs> oh, he's wow. stealing a child's blood yeah, uh, Qui-Gon goes directly to the Councils like, hey, the Sith are back and they're like, no, they're not <laughs> we would have known and it's like, I just fought the guy it's not a Sith, we'll find it out don't worry about it um, Yoda astutely is like we should not train that boy uh-huh. he should not be trained there's something off about this and then Qui-Gon dies and Obi-Wan's like but I got it." and then Yoda's like okay, fine it's like you should have really gone with your instincts on this one, Yoda. There's something not right here, and he was right the whole time. But the 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 blindness to the Sith, I think, is always going to be a big uh, a big one. Yeah,
1: yeah, for sure.
0: We've done a pretty good job of balancing the, the scales. Yeah, are balanced. Yeah. My last light side, John Williams, duel of the fates. Oh yeah, well done, John. Amazing Still for, drop
1: for John Williams to knock it out of the park in a new direction once again. Uh, when Still. I
0: was- Still crushing. Uh,
1: watching this with my significant other, uh, she was like, it sounds like Harry Potter in here. And I was like, ah, 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 this Harry Potter sounds like this. This uh, Exactly. Uh, this, this is, is
0: Harry Potter is borrowing from Star Wars. Yeah,
1: this is uh, t- the birth of 2000s era of New Millennium Williams. Good stuff. Maybe always one of the best things about Star Wars. The, the, the most, the people most responsible for Star Wars in my mind are George Lucas, Ben Burtt, John Williams, Ralph McQuarrie. Those are the yep. like that's the Star Wars team that you have to have for sure. I mean,
0: that's that is the foundation upon which all of this is built. Um, and so, with that, I'd say here in the cargo bay we have successfully balance the force it's time for for some
1: final judgments that's right bc we only have so much space here in the cargo bay we gotta that's make true. some decisions about what we're gonna keep and what we're gonna move off the ship
0: there's a lot of clutter and we must be very selective so with that in mind four star wars episode one the phantom menace are we sending this movie to the trash compactor are we going to sell it to the Jawas for a uh, little credits because it's worth a little something? Or are we forever keeping it in the place of honor in the cargo hold? What do you think?
1: Well, BC, you know, um, I think there's a lot of value here in this movie. I'm not sure that, you know, I need it in my personal cargo-based storage here. we got a lot of Star Wars coming up. There's new stuff pumping out. So I my vote would be to uh, let's see what the Jawas might offer us for this
0: i think i think you're absolutely right i think selling it to the jawas is the right move it's not it's not just total st- space garbage right I, I don't think we're gonna send it straight to the trash compactor i i know they're busy in the trash compactor department anyway um and I, and I don't think this falls into that category there is i think you're right there's some value here so i say we i say we sell it to the jawas and we we keep a little space here in the cargo bay for whatever we may want to keep forever
1: You heard him, PBDO. Why don't you uh, pack this movie up, put it on, on the sale shelf over there.
0: There you go. It's for sale. Come and get it, Jawas. And now, another final judgment. The prestigious, the most prestigious award, the Ewan McGregor Award, given to what we deem to be continually the best part of a Star Wars movie Because Ewan McGregor is so often the best part of a Star Wars movie. Who's your Ewan McGregor Award
1: going to? Well, you know, BC, I thought long and hard about this. We've got a lot of new, important introductions to the Star Wars universe, some characters that I really love. Um, But really the best part of this movie for me is that shot where we are introduced to Dud Bolt. The Ewan McGregor Award goes to Dud Bolt for me. What about you, BC?
0: I am giving my Ewan McGregor award to Liam Neeson. <laughs> uh, I, I, don't get me wrong. It's a bit of a left turn not giving the Ewan McGregor award to Ewan McGregor in our first episode. But I, I think Liam Neeson does so much heavy lifting in this movie that that he deserves it. He comes in and does an Alec Guinness-like performance of being like an actor's actor coming into a ridiculous Star Wars movie and honestly being the protagonist, I think, yeah. of the movie. Yeah. It is entirely Qui Gon's story. You know what I mean? Um, so I'm going to give it to Liam Neeson for carrying the water of most of The Phantom Menace and doing a lot of the thankless, heavy lifting that needs to be done uh, because he is, he turns out to be a truly fascinating character who do we get who gets killed at the end of this movie so it's it's thankless in the end but i'm i'm glad that he signed on to to be the force that he was in this that
1: movie that was uh, that was his stipulation for signing on too he i think he is the reason why Qui-Gon died as he said i'll do it but you got to kill me in, in the first one
0: uh, i i respect that even more he's like i'll do one and uh, then get out bc there's something i forgot
1: to ask here uh which lightsaber from this movie do you want to add to your personal collection pretty iconic sabers from from darth maul's dual blade to that spiky ball on the episode one and episode two obi saber and then just that flashlight tube that qui-gon's rocking uh i you
0: know I'm a sucker for a green lightsaber, so I uh-huh. am going to, of course, go with Qui-Gon's green lightsaber.
1: BC, I used to, I-, I used to be a huge fan, and still am of that weird hilt that Obi-Wan has for mm-hmm. with that spike ball. But yeah, it just turns out more and more. Yeah, I'm, a, I'm a sucker for the green. Give me that, that flat bottom, just plain saber tube. I'm kind of a fan. Uh- we call that the Maul Killer.
0: <laughs> <laughs> or or not spoiler alert he does this is a a cla- classic chronologically the first instance of someone falling down a shaft and not actually being dead if you, even though he was very much cut in half and when he fell down that shaft
1: every every hole in, in the star wars universe leads to a black hole and then a white hole mm. where you're uh, reborn <laughs> it's
0: it's so true and i can't wait to name all of those other instances that are going to occur as we go through these movies and now for probably what's going to be the toughest ranking of the show's history uh each episode we are going to go through our personal power rankings of the films putting them in order one through nine of the episodes one through nine uh, since we only have one at this point, I'm gonna say it's unanimous. Star Wars Episode One is at the top of our power rankings, both lists, sitting in the number one spot. How long will it be there? Only time will tell, but pretty
1: exciting, topping that, both of our lists. That's right, BC. Episode One of Star Wars is the best, the best film we have reviewed on the Cargo Bay.
0: Number one spot, congratulations to Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace. Man, we never even talked about the name, did we? Uh, <laughs> no. No, nah. <laughs> nah, we didn't talk about the name. Uh, I missed some of my Duel of the Fates points that Filoni had made that were really interesting. But it's okay. It's fine.
1: Hey, that's a, that's that bonus content. Check us out on our socials. Um, but but we're not done here yet, BC. We sure aren't. Because uh, we, we like to talk about other Star Wars um I was gonna say a curse word and I didn't. Ha ha! <laughs>
0: we like to talk about other
1: Star Wars things as well. We sure do. Uh, what's what's coming
0: across your uh, your Star Wars desk that's got you interested?
1: Well BC, uh as listeners may or may not know, you and I both uh collect a bit of the Star Wars cardboard in the form of Topps trading cards. Ooh baby, and let Papa me tops. T- tell you BC, I spent a lot of time on the eBay looking at prices, seeing what's going on in the universe and something interesting has happened what is going on the 2021 star wars chrome galaxy set these are very shiny star wars cards um they've they've been in high demand those cards have been going up in value but if you don't know anything about card collecting there are base cards that are just you know the basic card and then there are parallels which are sometimes even numbered so you know Mm -hmm. one card might have a red border that's only there are only 10 of them that exist in the world For whatever reason, a base card, the common version of the Mandalorian insert, I think it is Mm -hmm. MN-3, whatever it is, it features a a drawing of Mando, a, a painting of Mando holding Baby Yoda in one arm while pointing his blaster with the other. That card is going for sometimes $40 a pop for just the base card. What is going
0: on, BC? This, we're getting deep into the weeds of nerdiness for people who don't know about top Star Wars cards yeah
1: if you're done uh, with this podcast just catch us you can, next week don't, yeah
0: you can we'll be discussing Star Wars episode 2 and balancing the force and doing all those fun things we did this week this is really our nerd, nerdy hobby talk I don't the answer is I don't know what's going on this is a this is a it's an, it's an insert so it's slightly more rare but it's the ones that we're seeing hit the prices that we're seeing which is like 40 50 bucks in some cases. It's just for a regular insert. Yeah. Now I get that it's it's Mando, it's it's Grogu, it's sort of like a cool iconic thing. But it's just an insert card. I have two of them that I just pulled out of packs. Like it's not it's not like they're incredibly rare. The ones that are numbered, I can imagine being much more valuable. But in terms of like a base insert going for this kind of money i'm kind of like should i just sell at least one of these that i have so i can buy like five other cards you know what i mean
1: well bc this is this is i'm trying to figure out how to get in on this or at least what's going on right so the first thing i do is i am a proud subscriber to non-sport magazine uh which is (laughs) Which as I'm is, sure
0: most of our listeners will be.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, <laughs> you know, I know you probably already know, but it is a, a magazine about non-sports trading cards. So I looked oh, yeah. at the price guides. I look at the price guides from the the older issue I have and the newer issue I have, because I'm like, this is going to be it. I'm going to look at the yeah. price guide, because sometimes yeah. I do see that the reason people are paying stupid prices for certain cards is because they are listed in this price guide as being that valuable. And people sure. just buy them at that price um, who right. watch stuff. I mean, it doesn't yeah. quote every card in the set. You know, it's just one they have enough sales to base around. Um, but I was like, I'm going to see a price jump. Um, well, I looked two months, two mo- four months ago, the price for that, that set of inserts, $50 tops. I look uh-huh. at the new issue, $50 tops. There's been no change. In the price guide, there's only one thing that can happen. BC, this is what's happening. I don't know if you know about this Yoda card, the Yoda promo Galaxy card. Oh, it is a famous, card very famous. Of yeah, Yoda yeah. Um, yep. worshiping at an altar of oh, yeah. other Yoda-looking things. Now, this yep. is just something where a group of people decided to buy up all the supply of this card, right? and hold on to it as if it were some sort of currency. This is the same thing we're seeing happen here, right? It's got to be. There's just got to be someone who's like, I'm going to spend $5,000 driving the price of this card up and buy buy them all up. I I mean,
0: I honestly... It, it makes more sense for the Yoda card because that, that there's, like, controversy around that where it got pulled. So, like, it's much harder to come by. This The Mandalorian insert card's... These are not that hard to come by now. There's a huge price difference between the two cards, but even still, like to me, any of the other inserts are maybe five, ten bucks. Like if you're willing to, it's not a lot of money, right? But even you're willing to pay it. But when I saw this particular card hit fifty, and then there's recent sales of like thirty dollars, forty dollars.
1: You know, sometimes we we saw a lot of like three of them sell for eighty dollars. Yeah, so, so there like, there isn't even the illusion of scarcity.
0: No, I mean the, there's the price. It, I guess it's just the the image itself. Like it's it's, it's Mando card. holding. It's a it's a good looking card. I have two of them myself. You know what I mean? Like yeah. so, it's like part of me is like just sell one of them, like and and hold on to the other. But yeah, it's seeing that whenever you showed me the the auction where it hit fifty whatever bucks, I was like, what is happening? Because it's it's not a parallel. It's it's a very high price for a base
1: insert card. I think there's something shocking. something afoot, and I will not let the Sith blind me to it, BC. I am going to uh I'm gonna figure this out. I'm gonna bust it up before the next episode.
0: Good. I think I think some investigation should be done. Uh on the on the note of hobby talk and and Star Wars and, and Chrome cards, to be quite honest with you, uh just brought to my attention yesterday by you, the twenty twenty two tops chrome star wars mandalorian beskar edition will be coming out now that was a mouthful uh the thing that i find really interesting about this is not much at all yeah uh in, in that it's a reprint of a hundred of the cards from the season one and season two like tops just regular paper mandalorian season one and two cards both of which were 100 card set themselves so they took the best halves of both of these sets. There's an additional 25 cards that are entirely new um, that are going to be in there with unused unit photography from both seasons, which fine, cool. So there's 25 cards in total that, that haven't been seen. Uh, it's going to be an expensive product because it's Chrome, because Chrome always demands a very high price uh there's there's i mean there's a cool looking there's comic inserts there's character inserts there's going to be autographs and sketches and all the things one would expect but for me i don't have a whole lot of interest in this because i'd rather spend my money to buy a mandalorian season one paper set all 100 cards than try to spend i don't know 300 bucks chasing down all of these Chrome edition cards. I, where do you land on this? Because my only interest would be is if we can pre-order some of these boxes for like a hundred bucks and then sell them later because it's only an investment of, of flipping, which I, do, I don't like doing for cards. I like opening them. But if, if it's one of those like, there's money to be made, you know, it's an option, but it's not something that I have an interest in like opening these for because you get, What, 18 packs and four cards per pack out of a box? If a box is going to be $180, $200 on presale, I'm way out on these. So I guess price is going to be a big thing, but overall thoughts on on what we're getting with Topps Chrome Mandalorian Beskar Edition.
1: (laughs) Well, VC, you know I love I love Star Wars Chrome cards. I oh like, baby! I like the Chrome cards, and you know I love the season one Mando cards. Um, I would say the majority of my Star Wars card collection comes out of Mandalorian season one and Star Wars Galaxy Chrome. Uh, that is, those two places are absolutely where I spent the bulk of my money. What I do not like is cards being reprinted with the same borders. Like, they're just images from the show on these cards. Uh, Yeah. um, I I don't know. It seems like a bad thing for the value of of the cards in general. And it also just seems lazy when there's so much Star Wars you could make right now, right? Like you could you could make kind of whatever set of cards you wanted to. So I don't know, I'm kind of upset about it because I will be compelled to like buy a cool parallel of some card that I like, but I, I don't think I'll be opening a box. I probably will just be like, what's my favorite Mandalorian card that I have now? Let me get a, a Chrome parallel of it. It's a a
0: wise piece of advice you gave me after we went whole hog on the Topps Chrome Galaxy, which is admittedly, I think, still was an amazing buy because we got those boxes for less than half of what they're selling for now. But we (laughs) ripped them, we opened them, we collected them, we put our sets together. They're beautiful. They're great-looking cards. Um, But everything after that has been like, if I'm going to because prices have spiked so much. If I'm going to spend any money on a Star Wars box, one, I'm probably going to get washed financially. And I'm probably going to end up with a bunch of cards that I don't want. And I'm probably not even going to have a complete set of what I'm opening. So, just go and buy what you want out of the set. Find the find the, you know, for me find the Ahsoka Tano card that you want. For the Chrome Legacy, find find all of the green parallels of the rebels and it's just beautiful. do the entire set do all of those now i ended up spending more than a box would cost on on all of the green parallels that i ended up buying but i'm much happier having like a curated set of stuff that i like
1: yeah as you have what you want you have the piece of that set that you really wanted to get your hands on versus like yes. like for me like it's just like okay, if a box of cards is going to be a hundred and eighty bucks, I yeah. know I can buy yeah. the complete base set for no more them. than fifty dollars. No more than fifty dollars, uh, no matter that's what the, it that's, is.
0: That's, that's un- like the Chrome Legacy is two hundred cards, and they're super expensive. Buy that whole set, so I'm not interested in that. But like battle plans or this upcoming uh, Bounty Hunter set, the base of those fifty dollars is like. Overpriced at that point, but you would ha- you would
1: have all of them. I love having a complete set in a binder that I can flip through. Yeah, I've been I've been enjoying bindering my cards recently. But yeah, yeah let's say the Chrome Galaxy. The the cost of those boxes is around two hundred dollars now, or whatever it is. Even if it's a hundred dollars to get the base set, then you just mm-hmm. take that leftover hundred dollars. Are you going to be happier having three weird parallels that you pulled out of a box, or spending that hundred dollars on the five that you really want, or the one that you really want? You know, like. That puts you in in one of one territory on Star Wars cards, <laughs> you know, yeah. Like- I, and I think part
0: of the experience that I really enjoyed with the the Chrome Galaxy because we liked the Chrome series to begin with. For um, for anyone who doesn't know Chrome, the the Star Wars Galaxy are Star Wars cards that were released in the early '90s, starting in the early '90s. That featured like concept art, all original artwork by comic book artists, uh, just artists of, of all kinds, with basically carte blanche on whatever they wanted to do in terms of a Star Wars piece of art. It's a really good looking collection. There's no like photos, it's all sort of taken, you know, directly from art pieces that were created by artists for these trading cards. Uh, We bought into the Chrome Galaxy set, which collected, of the previous seven sets of Star Wars Galaxy cards, collected 100 cards, they gave them a nice Chrome finish, they look amazing, they feel great in the hand. So we bought into some of those boxes, and because we love the regular Galaxy cards, we got the Chromes, and I had a really great experience with those. One, opening packs is just fun. Like, period. I love opening packs of cards. In fact, the cargo bay, for those who don't know, started as Adam and I opening packs of trading cards just for fun on Twitch. Uh, and so check out Elegant
1: Weapon. Very, very uh, inexpensive packs of trading cards.
0: Uh, yeah, and and so the Chrome Galaxy was like our high end, our upper echelon, where where we reached the zenith of our collecting. But like we opened a couple boxes, we completed our sets, we were able to trade some of the cards for other cards that we wanted or needed within a Facebook group, which is really great. Shout out to the Star Wars Card Collector, the OG edition. I, I then uh, also spent group.
1: way more money than I ever should have or dreamed to uh, on singles.
0: Yeah, and I, I followed your steps when the Chrome Legacy came out, and I went after <laughs> the Rebels cards uh, and the Green parallels. So, um But there was a lot of fun with, with that particular set of, like, what refractors do you need? What are you looking for? I need cards XYZ to complete my hundred base set. Um, so yeah, it was that that particular box was a lot of fun and we were able to to purchase those boxes on pre-sale at a price that didn't absolutely crush us or or wasn't so out of whack that you know it was like, this doesn't make sense, we can just buy these sets you know we got them for a fairly reasonable price ne- neither one of us hit big on our on our autos i don't think on the autographs you hit pretty
1: big though on a box i'd say i did
0: i did hit <laughs> pretty big on my my of five millennium falcon your five of
1: five millennium Falcon. five of
0: five yeah which which i was able to trade for uh an ahsoka tano and grand admiral thron uh autograph from the Masterworks set which was very exciting um which really kickstarted my autograph collection which is on that shelf back there.
1: It's looking beautiful, BC. I got If you're watching us on YouTube, you can see we got a bunch of cards behind us each of us. Um BC is that is that it for our, our card talk? I am just worried the supervisor is going to going to really get the on s- my to supervisor, continue you're going to get on my ass. Yeah,
0: he's really gonna get on your ass.
1: Uh, we've we have been in the
0: cargo bay potting for a lot longer than we should be. I think we probably have some some duties to get back to on the ship here. Otherwise, we are going to be thrown in the trash
1: compactor. That's right. We still got to open. We got to open some packs of cards for the YouTube. That's right. So uh, if you want to see that, catch us on YouTube. Just search the cargo bay um, cards. Um, once we get to the <laughs> amount of subscribers we need to get that custom URL, we will. But you can We're catch so us on on other social media platforms at the Cargo Bay Pod. You can reach us at thecargobaypod dot com. Um, you can email us from there, or our email address is thecargobaypod at protonmail dot com. Hit it up. Uh, send us whatever you like, criticism. um gifts uh i I think that's i think that's it that was a great first episode bc
0: yeah and to that i say may the force be with you and
1: also with your spirit
0: (laughs) i think that's the new thing yeah that's (laughs) canon now okay cool i think that has to be canon it used to be and also with you in the good old days but they changed it they changed it on us
1: okay we'll have something different next week probably (laughs) (laughs) bye everybody Bye forever.